Yo, what's up everybody? This is your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in for another episode of A New Perspective. I'm so glad to have you start off your week or find some time in your week to uh, listen to a perspective of an old guy like me. Um, wherever you may be listening, if it is the United States, Ireland, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Japan, the Netherlands, Canada, or Kazakhstan, I appreciate you finding time uh, in your day. Um, yeah, I've been looking, <laughs> I was looking at the statistics, um, something I normally don't do for the podcast. I was like, wow, we're almost at the point where we can claim to be an international podcast. Yeah, woo. So I'm sorry if I'm low this week and uh, my heart is heavy. And, and a little later, we have a, a interview or conversation. I don't like to have interviews, but I like to have conversations with people with a um, bright young mind out of Tallahassee by the name of Ray Jones. Good. Uh, someone I've watched grow up. And, and I think you all will enjoy that conversation. But I want to start here. Um, and part of why I'm somber, part of why I'm tired, I'm praying I'm tired, I don't have the dreaded Rona because that would be a problem. Um, so, in. So, grew up um, in, in the elementary school I went to in fifth grade. It's called Knee Black, if you're not familiar with Columbia County. And it was a sixth grade center for the longest. And um, some of the leaders in the African American community fought to have this historic school, um, to know the story behind it. Uh, that's another day for the podcast and, and still some of the struggles it sees today. But when uh, they wanted their school to be an elementary school and uh, the community leaders promised to take care of the school. But when the county drew up the school lines for Knee Black, they literally took some other schools around Knee Black and gave Knee Black the poorest, most underappreciated um lowest testing score students and put them at one school. Uh, the numbers didn't even reach the capacity of the school or the qualifications of the school. Um, and if you go back and read some of what was said about forming the school, um, teachers from other schools reaction to learn that those kids wouldn't be at their school any longer. They cheered, they were excited. And we were told um, that anybody that came out of that school would fail. It was supposed to be um, failure. So I ended up going there even though I lived away out in the country because my mom taught there and it was her belief that she couldn't teach one place and have her kids at another place. And so we went to Knee Black. So I was part of the first fifth grade class at Knee Black. And um, the school had, I think there was one white student of however many of us there were. I'm not going to give you some fake statistic that I know. I just know there was one white kid if you go back and look at the yearbook there's one and so um we became a family if you go to new black even still now it's like family everybody's everybody's cousin if somebody dies um it affects the entire school teachers included and so that fifth grade class my that we later graduated with god is extremely close we um for the most part, a majority of us still talk every day. We went through high school, middle school and high school, holding each other accountable that we would graduate because all we heard was that we would fail. Um, I, I never committed a local county commissioner here um, said, and he meant it. He said, don't judge this school based off what it does now. Judge us off of when our kindergartners or fifth graders because right now you're taking 
what other people have taught and dropped it on us. And for a while, it was an F school. It's come up tremendously since then. Um, but we, the, we, we call ourselves the Knee Black Crew. And um, we, we stuck together. We're pretty tight. And this week, God, I'm going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Um, we lost a member of the Knee Black Crew in a car accident. Um, his name is Cameron Reynolds. Um, we have all been friends since we were 10, 11. Um, we clown just about every day. We got a group message that we talk in just about every day. And uh, it's really, really hard. And this has been um, the second classmate in four months um, in which I've presided <clears throat> over their funeral. Um, and Brittany was my prom date and a member of the Brittany Black crew. Uh, Cam, there's a lot of memories that can't be talked about, uh, but walking up yesterday, it's Sunday when I record, and normally in funeral settings and preaching settings, I'm really good, I'm really polished. I, I literally went blank um, seeing him laid there, um, 31 years old, four beautiful daughters, and a little boy on the way, and so life is short. Um, no matter how long you live, so take time to tell each other. It's one of the things um, my classmates and I spent a lot of time talking about was the fact that at least we make time to talk every day, even when we're mad at each other. We, cut, we, we fight like siblings. We tell each other's business. It is a great time. And um, it's just really, it's really hard. I feel so drained. Um, I won't lie to y'all. I hung out, hung out like <laughs> I was new. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because um, <laughs> um, so Cam is the um, fourth member of the Knee Black crew to die. And we had um, another classmate die in the ATV wreck. And we made a promise then. They all made me promise that at their funerals, um, I would do the reflection. <laughs> I would give a reflection. Cam told me to take 45 minutes, but we were outside, so I didn't take 45 minutes. I took maybe a minute and 45 seconds. Um, and that we would turn up, that no matter how old we were, no matter where we went in life, that we would uh, thoroughly celebrate the life of the person that left. And so my classmates and I have been at it for Thursday, since Thursday, um, and my body just hurts. So um, long live Cam. And I'm praying for the rest of the new black crew and our, and our classmates in general. But that sector, um, I mean, our kids call each other uncle and auntie like and mean it because we have to convince them that we're not siblings sometimes. So it's it's been a rough week. Um, I'm sorry. So. Other than that, most of the perspective this week gets into our conversation with Ray. I do know that the president of the United States has caught the coronavirus. I want to say this, that uh, I am praying for the president. Um, I never want ill will on people. I think this is a lesson of having to eat your words. I'm interested to see the way he and his campaign spin it when he beats it. Um, I'm interested to see the reaction from other people. Um Ultimately, as we move to being open on all three phases, uh, I think you're going to see more cases go up. There are people that uh, I know people who um, 
um, and this isn't about a certain individual because there was ah, I caught that swipe. No, um, I know uh, quite a few people who have had this virus and didn't get tested. They're pretty sure they had this virus as we move into flu season. Just interested to see how it spreads. Um, prayerfully, that we don't lose too many lives from it. <laughs> but, um, guys, I'm I'm really. I shouldn't have done that. Talking about Cam, I'm, I'm really drained in any other podcast notes. I really don't uh, care for today. So hopefully you enjoy Ray and I's conversation. She is a bright, young, and up-and-coming, uh, up-and-coming um, social justice, social action um, star in the state. Um, she's currently a student at FAMU. Uh, bright full of energy and so hopefully you all sit back and enjoy it i don't sign off uh later Eh, i'll record a sign off so enjoy me and ray can you hear me yo young ray (laughs) am i on you're on what's up what's going on i'm so happy to be here i'm excited to have you it's uh it's uh, good to have you on the perspective loyal listener um it's amazing i was thinking damn i, I feel i've watched ray like kind of grow up and now great ray is like a grown person an adult in the world i know right when i when i speak to people who i met um growing up and things like that and they see me now and we actually like have a conversation they're so i don't want to say impressed but they're just like astounded by the way i speak what i have to talk about things like that so it's nice to know know about growth and people growing up and stuff like that. So what's been the biggest development of growth like Grayson? You are a student at FAM, you are a child of the parsonage, you're a lot of things, but what has been the biggest developmental piece for you? Um, so far, just because, you know, we learn every day. We can't stop growing. If we stop, we die. Um so far being school the biggest growth aspect I've had would just be my way of thinking, how I handle situations, um, my thought process, how I deal with my emotions, um, things of that nature. Um, So if you want to go into specifics, um, just how like when people do things, how not to take things personal, um, how to just always remember you're the only person that has to walk in your shoes. So the decisions you make ultimately only affect you, even though everything we do affects outside sources. But yeah, just learning that I'm the only person that has to live my life. So I have to do things that make me happy at the end of the day. Yeah, I just want to let you know it makes me happy when I eat chicken with jelly. And so I am. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I went to, where did I go? I went to... Chick-fil-A. I didn't go to I didn't go to McDonald's. I'm not a McDonald's girl. But I did go to Chick-fil-A, even though we don't really support them. Um and I put some jelly on it and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Telling you, bro, people eat syrup on chicken and waffles. Gotta diversify the palate. So um you give me slack, give me trash off all the time because you say I always say this is not a political podcast because it's not a political podcast. <laughs> but you've been in the streets protesting. Over the past few years, what has that experience been like? You got that dope picture. Um, if you protest and kneel down, you have look you look like a savage. I wasn't afraid. Like felt like you to be Yeah. Um back in December, I wanna say it was maybe December thirteenth, but don't quote me. 
um, a colleague of mine, one of my classmates, he was actually murdered by JSO. His name was Jamie Johnson. Um, And they didn't release the footage until about a couple months ago. Um, For like the longest, they were saying there was no footage. Uh, The camera got dislodged, things like that. So the reason I protested, um, it wasn't more so for Black Lives Matter. It was just for the justice of my my friend. Um, But yeah, I definitely felt the need to go out there and make my voice heard. Um, Being a student, I studied political science in school and my minor is African-American history. So it did kind of hit closer to home just because this is what I plan on doing in the future. Um, so yeah, I just felt like, you know, I had to be one of the young voices, even though I did get a lot of, I got a lot of slack from it, from my family, believe it or not. I got a lot of slack from it. Really? I guess, you know, it was like a safety precaution, I guess, even though my brother, he was kind of right there with me. They were just, you know, they didn't want me being out there and stuff like that. But I, I, can't, I couldn't just sit on the sidelines, you know? Oh, no, yeah, no, no. I'm shocked that you got pushback from it. Um, yeah. Because that, that's eye-opening. I never thought about that. Maybe because I've never uh, received any challenge from that. So when you think of that, you've been in that position, um, looking at your major and your minor and looking at what's going on in a place like Portland, um, what's going on in Seattle, what, what's your response when you see these engagements? now with um with protesters and with law enforcement <sighs> um the the scholar in you know is all for protesting peacefully which is our right you know what i'm saying freedom of speech things like that but the the radical in me says we we've been protesting long enough we've been writing petitions we've been um voting people in and out and nothing has changed things are still more prevalent than ever um so the only way to really get voices heard are to hit corporations and businesses where it hurts the most which is their pockets so i mean if people feel the need to go out there and do what they need to do to get attention. I can't really stop anybody from doing what they feel they need to do. But everything does have a right and wrong way of doing something. So I won't say that I agree with the right. No, I will say this. I'll put this on uh, wax. Man, I should really make sure that you You think KFC is sponsored? Anyway, <laughs> I will say this. If I am unjustifiably killed by an officer. I don't want it to be peaceful. Yeah. And, I just, and that's the way I look at it. I'm like, oh, diplomatic, democracy. Dip- yeah, that sounds good. And if it was uh, somebody I love, I can't promise you that. Um, I wouldn't go ahead and do the jail time. I had um, my car was actually damaged this weekend by someone that's racist on purpose, but yeah, oh, yeah, wow. nor there. So, originally when... Uh, Wait, wait, wait. So, so with that being said, if you remember the trial um, with Botham Jean's shooter, murderer, where his brother uh, went and hugged the girl, would, would you would you ever be in that situation? What in the world? I'm going to ask questions. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I'm a preacher by trade. And so, I get the whole notion of forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. I would never have done that publicly. Um, one-on-one 
afterwards of not doing it on the trial. Um, yeah. You say what's Christ like, what's not Christ like. I can tell you, I'm not Christ. I got Christ in me. I'm working on that part, but I'm not Christ. And so um, I really struggle with the notion of being so forgiving to the point that you're naive. I, I associate it to a toxic relationship. Hmm. And I get myself in trouble all the time because. I think the toxic relationships are the most addictive drug in in the world. Oh yeah, and, and being in a toxic relationship is addictive. Oh yeah, uh, the makeup, the breakup, the I hate you, I'm going to destroy you. To, hey, let me love you again, and I think we're caught in the cycle of a toxic relationship with race relations, and sometimes we mm. do the same things over and over, thinking that the person is going to change, not realizing that at some point we have to change the person and so yeah mm-hmm. it's like when you're talking about people that say hey defund the police do i support hey defunding the police no i don't because i'm always going to call the police if there's something wrong this is where i grew up but i do support we need to rearrange the way funding goes to not buying tanks and armored vehicles and that kind of stuff to saying hey what if we bring in psychologists to go in the fields and talk people down and then make a decision or if it's a shoot first decision or if it's a, hey, we need to talk it out decision. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Escalation. I definitely agree. It's, it's what I think we need to, to move our funding towards. I also think cops need degrees, but that's just me. Um, so you think that would be a, um, a helpful tactic is to have like a psychologist or someone able to, like a hostage crisis person able to de-escalate the situation along with the police? It, it should be like part of the uniform. It, okay. I just, I think about, it's just like you, you started off with, about growth. I think about, we think at one point, look at the black community, spanking our children was so um, ungrading to who we were that we didn't realize that we were carrying on slave owner mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So is there a difference now and when you discipline your child to remind them and saying, hey, no, this is not okay and using tactics that we've learned over the years and talking through situations. The parent has to make sure they do what's best for the child. I think there should be somebody there that can say, hey, shoot first made sense when we didn't understand fully what we were doing. And I think that's applicable yeah. in so many situations. Um when it comes to police involvement, because I don't think all cops are bad. I've had my fair, uh, I've had my fair interactions with police officers. What's disturbing to me though, is seeing some of these stuff from some of these videos from protests and not seeing the good cop, um, stop when they see the wrong, something go wrong. They just kind of stand back because it's brothers and all, but my, Mm -hmm. my brothers, my actual brothers are my brothers by name only that, are, are, are my brothers, they know that I wouldn't stand by and just watch them do something wrong and vice versa. And so I think that, that with cop culture is the thing. Yeah. I, I read something mm. the other day, I mean, not the other day, I read all the time on Twitter. Twitter is such a great information highway <laughs> um, where it was saying that it's crazy how all women know a woman that's been raped, but no man knows a man that's a rapist. And I'm convinced that's because 98% of the men in the world, if they knew their friend had raped somebody, would hold them accountable for it. You think so? 
I would like to believe so. I, I might be naive in that notion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked you to talk about women issues, and you're like, "Oh no, we're not going to do that." So, um, I feel like I feel like when it comes to the term of rape, it has a lot of gray area in it. So, what someone might consider rape, one might not consider rape. Um, so, I I guess you could say that's why. Um, with that statement, men won't know a lot of their friends are rapists or that themselves are rapists. Um, so, so if I'm being that fully might honest on the perspective and putting my foot in my mouth in ways that is extremely dangerous to do. I have in time, in time read because you know you you read your girl. You and I were talking about books earlier this week. Um, mm-hmm. You educate yourself and over your life. This the things that are considered rape or rape actions scare me. Because we teach, um, we it is my opinion that at early ages we teach microaggression between men, between little boys and little girls. Does that make sense? Like it, it's been taught. I just always remember that if if a boy was mean to a girl, it meant that the boy liked the girl. When we yeah. were kids, then that's microaggression to where years later, um. Now you're in a toxic relationship and the woman can't leave because she's always heard that if a man is hitting on you, if they love you. It's the same thing, I think, in rape situations of being aggressive or being an alpha or no doesn't necessarily mean no. And you got to know the differences in no. And that and that's that gray line. I just I've been there and I'm like, ooh, let me walk away. T.I. gave me one of the best pieces of advice when I came to that. He said, freak mm-hmm. by choice, not force. I'll never be charged with a rape. If she says no, I'm going to let her be. I've held to that since I heard it when I was like 15. <laughs> but I, I think that it's, it's a conversation um, that's not had when it's yeah. microaggressive. I've ne- I just never thought about a woman feeling like she was in a position to say no. I mean, it seems like it just comes down to what adults teach girls and teach boys, the contradictions for each other. So, you know, they tell girls not to have sex until you're married, yada, yada. But you tell boys, you know what I'm saying, have sex with whoever you want, stuff like that. So those slight contradictions, people grow up thinking like that. Guys grow up thinking they have to take sex from a woman like it's something that you take instead of something that you do with. Um, And then women feel if he's doing it, then he must really like me. But, you know, they're doing it to get something, but they were taught that if he likes you, then he wants it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just the slight contradictions that it plays. Um, and it, I feel like we can't really use that as an excuse, though, because we, we all have to take responsibility for ourselves. So even though you might have learned something growing up, you can kind of see throughout life, how things change, how things don't always play out like that. And then it's up to you to either take that and get ready to learn with it or take it and learn from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm definitely reading and educating my girl. I'm told hell. Um, that's why I, I tell my friends get mad that I say it. I thought my friends are womanizers. Not because we, I mean, we, not that we meant to be, but we thought that that's what it meant to be manly was yeah. to be uh, bullies about certain things that just weren't, you know. It, 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 it keeps me up some nights when I think back. Um, 
this was was my microaggression too much. But nevertheless, that was a tangent. And anybody that's been on the perspective so far knows that the perspective just really isn't playing. We just kind of shoot the dozen and uh, talk. So, but I want to get your opinion on a on a few other things here. So, you are um, opinionated to say the least, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> let me let me get this. Let, give me your brief overview. How did you feel during the debate? Because it feels like it was so long ago, and it was just Tuesday. Oh wow! Um, it reinforced a lot of the things that I kind of already expected. Um, I kind of knew uh, President Trump wasn't really going to have a plan to replace Obamacare. Um, I kind of figured Joe Biden wasn't going to talk about packing the court. Um, so it was a lot of back and forth, as we all saw. Um, you stated on the podcast earlier uh, this week how if it was black men up there, Obama up there, or women up there, even Hillary Clinton, that's why they, she didn't win because she was too emotional. And those guys were like, not even, those weren't two political candidates up there. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a good representation of who we are as Americans. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I didn't like it. I'm hoping Pence and Harris uh, do better. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sure Miss Kamala will do much better. But we'll that, that's going to gonna be, a, that's going to be. But you're going to see the difference in having two people um, who are in their, typically in their primes. Um, mm-hmm. And political careers don't don't get it twisted. Joe Biden is probably one of the greatest debaters um, ever to grace debate him, if that is a word. Um, if you go back <laughs> and watch some of his older stuff, uh, but he's what seventy seven. So, yes, seventy seven, and Trump yeah, seventy four. I think. I, I think at some point we got to have that conversation about age requirements. Definitely, um, I just I just tweeted that. Two seventy-four-year-old plus can- white men are our best candidates for presidency in twenty twenty. That's that's crazy. And, and to me, that's just like, man, not not anything because because age you don't use age as a disqualifier, but the average age of America is much younger than 74, 76. So I just I don't know. So and then now give me your hot take on this because this isn't a political podcast and we can talk. You you're welcome on perspective <laughs> whenever. So earlier this week it was announced that the president has come down with the coronavirus. Um, let me say this: um, I I don't wish I still have to do the, the opening to this show. People that are listening, this is going to be done all out of orders being made like a movie right now. But uh, <laughs> I don't wish ill on anyone. I, I want the president to be definitely. Yeah, I don't not wanting the president to die. I believe that that's God's choice when people come and go. But isn't it kind of crazy that the virus that is fake um, now is it's spread like wildfire in the White House? So many people that attended that Rose Garden meeting have the coronavirus now. And um, a president that only paid $750 in taxes getting some of the best free tax uh, from the, the best, he is getting the best free health care in the world. Then you talk about Obamacare. How does that make you feel? Um, it's a slap in the face, low key. Um, just because after these last couple months, just his whole take on the virus, not taking it serious, um, not talking about it from the beginning, waiting, waiting on it to get worse, 
and now that he has actually contracted it, um, it's just interest, interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, if he does get cured, quote unquote, I don't think um, it'll be a big shocker just because, like you said, he does have the number one health care, free health care. So, but people who are contracting it on a daily basis who don't even have health care um, are having to go outside, go to school, things like that. So it's just pretty interesting. And when he survives it, because we're going to speak survival into existence, um, at least on this podcast, um, I just, it's not that most people get sick or go through things in life and it humbles them and makes them change it. Oh, no. This president is going to survive this and it is going to be his talent line. If he at 77 can beat it, open up the country because anybody can beat it. Or he's the healthiest president of all time because no other, I can hear him now, no other president would have survived the coronavirus. But the coronavirus didn't mess with me. It's just funny. I don't know. Um, so speaking of Corona, uh, the governor of this state has opened, is in the process of opening. I don't know. I'm so confused. I rode around after church today and just rode around town. And every church, except for the Methodist churches in town, um, United Methodist and African Methodist, and the two big Baptist, black Baptist churches in our town were wide open, packed with people. Um so what's your opinion on the way the governor is moving us into phase three? Okay. So um, here in Tallahassee, um, the people there, since his reopening, um, from what I've seen, like restaurants, stores, Walmart and stuff, they still, you know, have people wearing masks, even just wearing outside, people running, they still have their masks. Um, so it's good to see people still adhering to the original policies that were put in place. Um, but when I go to Jacksonville and I go home and I'm in like places like Oakleaf and I'm in um, Orange Park, they never really adhered to the policies. They kind of just always were barefaced. Um, so I'm sure they're open wide now. Things are still social distancing safe and stuff like that. So how do you think the next president, uh, if it is Joe Biden, or if, it, if, if President Trump is reelected, because I'm starting to feel more and more like he's going to be reelected. Um, you said you feel like he is going to get reelected? Oh my god, my god, it's starting to tell me that he's going to get reelected. Um, <laughs> the uh, I don't know enough people. I personally don't know enough people who change on who have changed their mind on the president. Maybe it's because I live in North Florida and it's still very conservative to the point of it's not about whether they agree with what they hear or don't they, they don't hear. It is about voting for the party. It's party over policy. Um, and then there mm-hmm. are some people who just <laughs> they oh um, there are people who support what the president said because if they were rich, that's the way they would act. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I look yeah. at some actions or I look at some behaviors or not speaking up on it and I just they say money doesn't doesn't define who you are, it just magnifies who you already were. And so there are some people I would love to just have a social experiment of giving them the president's type of money for six months and see and just listening to some of the subliminal comments they make or don't make 
Um, and I feel like there are a lot of people who who hold that line. Now, given it doesn't matter what we do locally, I, Florida's a big state, but Florida flips on and off like a light switch. Yeah. <laughs> it's really if the president can win the, can win the Rust Belt back. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's if the president wins the, the Rust Belt back or if it goes back to a Democratic stronghold. And I, I just don't know what the numbers look like in the Midwest. That's going to determine the presidency. And they've been hurt by the farming bill. Out so. Where do you think Florida's going to swing? I don't know. I don't know. The, <laughs> <laughs> the presidency. You don't, you don't even have like a... Like a no, the president... Like you really well, know? if you look at the, the, the gubernatorial race, I think I said that wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew Gillum lost by a couple hundred votes. Yes. Yeah, Literally. Answer. Very small margin. Was he the right person to motivate people to get out and vote? Where do we stand with felons voting? And the president has good numbers with Hispanics in Miami, which is shocking me, but he does. So all that sways, um, all that sways people. So yeah. and it, it just depends on, I, I personally think Joe Biden getting elected is connected to how much Kamala Harris motivates the base. Because I really think, it, like I've said multiple times, it's really Kamala versus um, Donald at this point. Because people know that Joe is mm-hmm. 77 and we, we see his skills diminishing. And so it's how much confidence you have on in her. And I, I just don't know if she, she motivates us to get out. We'll see. I think the Divine Nine will show out for her. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know that. It depends on how black women in Florida vote on how Florida goes. That's just statistics. That's not about race. It shows us that black women carry the Democratic Party and if they get out and vote, then you know, Florida out of hell, you don't know what Florida man to do in 2020. Florida man might not even show up to vote, period. In 2020. We have like what, exactly a month? Uh, Yesterday was a month, so 29 days. (laughs) Yeah. 29 days, I was actually I was on a um, conference call um, about early voting one of these days this week, so I was starting to blend together. Um, how do you how do you how do you feel about um, the uh, mail in ballots? So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see voter. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I, I think I think words like voter fraud trigger voter suppression mentality. Yeah, I was going to say that. And I think it's kind of dog whistle dog whistle-esque to be nervous about it. I want people to vote in person. Um, I know people who, I know older African Americans who will only vote on election day in the line because they remember what it was like to vote the very first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they know what it's like to have mailed in and their vote not counted. Now, given in 2016, my vote did not count. Um, we you yeah, mailed, mailed it in south, um, and I was still registered in Columbia County, and so um, we did a mail-in ballot, got the ballot, did all of that. But because my signature, okay, so I have a signature and an autograph, it <laughs> and. It didn't, it, match, on it didn't match on my ID. I, my, my signature, my real 
signatures on my ID. <laughs> I think I changed it. I, I did. I changed it in 2018 after um, this happened. But when I published my first book, this is crazy. When I published my first book and I had my first book signing, I was literally writing my signature, full name, Anthony L. Newton, writing it out. And uh, somebody was sitting mm-hmm. there behind me and they were like, you better learn how to write like a doctor if you're going to be in book signings. If you're going to be an author, you better learn how to get an autograph. Otherwise, you're going to be here all day. And ever since then, I yeah. start snatching my signature. And so on most things, I, I autograph. I don't I don't put a signature on it. And so my ballot didn't count. It was thrown out. And I didn't find that out until somebody was running. Now, that is part that bothers me. I never heard from the supervisor elections office, somebody else that was running, and they got a list of voters or whatever the information mm-hmm. that was given. It showed that I voted, but it didn't count. And they showed me that information on the supervisor elections office. Like, certainly it did, it did not count. So those things scare me. So I voted in person. It's important. Oh, wow. You didn't even, so they didn't even yeah, tell you? I never, I never got a notification. Um, that I mean, that is a real life personal experience. It wasn't until I went up there and they were like, yeah, this is what it was. So I, I changed it on my Changed it on my ID the way I signed so it wouldn't be an issue. Again, oh wow, I would have I would have never known. Yeah, yeah, I just found that out not too long ago, so I could imagine how many other people never knew. Go 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 in person, wear a mask, wear gloves, do whatever makes you feel safe. But but vote in person. I also don't want a lingering election night result because that's gonna get messy. I just, I can see it now. I could see the president not wanting to accept the results. Um, And it being, oh, but wouldn't it be good theater to actually have to see the secretary, the the Secret Service on, what's the date, the uh, January 27th or January 21st, have to literally remove a sitting president? Oh, the theater. Yeah, he's not going to want to leave. Yeah, he's not going to want to give the up. Escort and then the Proud Boys and then the right. You you want to see rioting? Let him say that he doesn't accept these. <laughs> Let the president, current president of the United States, say that he does not accept the results of the election and he doesn't want to leave and see the the sector of his base that is really, 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 really hard right. Yeah, he's calling for everybody. It's going to be a show. He's cry. <laughs> I know I'm sitting in my house, but it's gonna be I'm gonna be in my house with my gun in my lap, but it's gonna be a dang show on the way it goes down. So so right. I actually went in a plot um my CDO, my uh gun license. Okay. Look at you being committed to the to the uh perspective and uh, doing the perspective while you out in the road. We hear the uh, beat beats in the back and the uh, door opening. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. This perspective got some cloud on there that you're gonna do this on while traveling because you're studying, right? Yeah, I'm studying for my LSAT. I take it in November. Okay, all right. So let's end here because I can carry on all day and you'll be back on the perspective because at, at some point you gotta give me the woman's perspective views on some stuff and uh, yeah, and I know you don't want to because I mean, you know why, but. Um, yeah, we'll talk some more. So, so <laughs> before you go, if if this was the last time anybody ever heard from you, um, if this was, you know, the one piece of what one thing that you ever put on recording that was always heard, what would be your piece of perspective that you would leave with people? Um, just that 
it is nice to be important, but it is way more important to be nice. Being nice can get you so far that places your name can't. So that's it. Well, that's good. I like that. That's smooth. So until next time, Young Ray, we appreciate having you on this perspective. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to come back. All right. We'll talk later. Peace out. All right, you all, this has been uh, another episode of A New Perspective. So until next week, hopefully we get Martinez on next week. And I'm thrilled about that conversation. I might need to do a pod where I go solo here um, directly. Uh, might review the vice presidential debate, depending on how that goes. But um, until next week, especially if I know you, if I know you, if you've impacted my way in my life in some way, if we've interacted in some way, I love you. If we agree or not, I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Peace.